1: The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. I'm reading a great book at the moment. Uh, it's, It's a tome. It's a really thick book. But it's a super book. It's a book called Hi. And it's written by Professor Gary Murphy in the School of Law and Government at, at DCU. And it's another one of those books that I'd recommend to anybody as a Christmas gift, particularly that person in your family who's fascinated and interested in politics and the history of politics. Uh, Professor Morphy joins me. Gary, good morning. Hi, Peter. How are good, you? Good to speak with you. It, it is a tome, but I, I can compliment you on the fact that it is very easy to read, uh, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. But why huh, he, Gary?
2: Um, well, first of all, thanks to your kind words on the uh, on the book. Yeah, it's a, it's a large book. I think it comes in at about uh, a quarter of a million words. But the uh, the physical copy is relatively light in. Uh, mm in the hands of my publishers, have done a great job there. Uh, Why Hawi? Well, um, I'd been thinking and writing about Irish politics, as you know, for about uh, 25 years at DCU, and um, the Haughey family donated his extraordinary large archive to our university back in 2010, and the family gave me early access to those papers um, to write this biography. Um, When I was talking to the family, I told them that... uh, any book based on his papers would have to be a sort of warts and all uh, biography, that there couldn't be any sort of veto over what I... uh over what I wrote, and, uh, and they were quite happy with that. I think they had been, you know, kind of uh, upset over the years at what they con- saw as consistently negative uh, coverage of, uh, of their father. Uh, these are the Hockey children. And, um, and they wanted a sort of a book that covered pretty much everything. Yeah. And um, so I took on that challenge. Now, it, <laughs> it took me a very long time. Much of my publishers sort of... Uh, about how long are you working on this out one? the world now. uh, I started at about 2014. Um, I interviewed, uh, in the early days, I interviewed people like uh, Maureen Hottie, uh, Charles Hottie's wife, his brother, uh, Father Owen Hawi, who was a member of the Oblate Order in um, Inchicore in here in, uh, in Dublin. And, uh, and then the papers were catalogued by the university, I think, sometime around 2018. And I spent probably uh, a year of my life going through dusty boxes yeah. in the... Uh, so, so would
1: this, uh, Gary, be the first biography or attempt at a biography of Haughey that has had access to his personal archive? Yeah, right. it is, yeah.
2: And uh, and th- those papers will be made public by our university uh, in early 2022. The idea is that uh, there's a 30-year embargo on his papers, a 30-year rule that uh, people, historians like myself and others, uh, can't access the papers until 30 years. That note yeah. ends in February 2022, and the university will slowly make the papers available, both physically in the university and hopefully digitally. And they're sure. a wonderful source, because they're not simply about letters to the great to go to Lynch and Thatcher and Cole and Maitron and whatever. There are letters also to uh, Mrs. Murphy and Mrs. Coogan from Donny Carney who are looking for help with uh, you know which were very grim circumstances that uh, many people on the north side of Dublin lived with.
1: Yeah, and trawling through archives can be a lot of fun for that particular reason. Uh, Even though I've followed politics since I was a a young fella, Gary, and I remember how he came into power and I remember him being Taoiseach and all these things. There's an awful lot about him that i would have forgotten and that people would have forgotten like he took four attempts to get elected
2: oh yeah so like how is no overnight sensation in the uh, in the 19 19- Uh, 50s. He first gets involved with Fianna Fáil in 1948. Uh, He sort of volunteers during the the February general election of that year. Uh, He runs then in 51. Uh, He loses. He runs in 54. He's also a by-election candidate uh, in 55 or 56, sorry. But he also loses a corporation seat. Now, I mean, it's one thing not to get elected in a a large constituency in the Dáil, but to lose your corporation seat, which he did in 1955 was a terrible blow. And he ran again in 57 and if he had lost then, I think the, the Irish history would have been much different because he would have then had got the reputation of being a serial loser. Um, but once yeah. he was in the doll he then topped the poll at every subsequent election That's right. until, he, That's until right. he retired in 1992. Yeah, And with huge, just huge personal votes uh, for him and, uh, and for Fianna Fáil on, yeah. uh, on the north side of Dublin. He had
1: an enormous personal vote and calls recalls uh, a story from, for example, a baby shop in Coolock, and in... If anyone was stuck for a pram, he'd give them a code to go and buy something and the uh, shop would just write the code down and he'd pay for it. He was massively popular among his constituents. He was also, I knew he was an accountant. I didn't know he was a barrister or that his entire education was funded by scholarships. He was a clever man.
2: Oh yeah he was. So just on the under um, sort of the baby stuff and the the presents yeah and, and many people would be aware of this, the sort of famous uh, turkey's at Christmas which was a thing he started doing in the uh in the early 1960s and like I found some very interesting his own, including that many people uh, didn't want a turkey for Christmas. They wanted a chicken, simply because they hadn't an oven big enough to cook a turkey in. Um, you know, which gives some idea of the poverty around uh, Kulak, Artin, uh Dunny Carney, where he, he grew up. Yeah, his his parents moved to, to dunny Carney in the, so many people would know it, they sort of in Collins Avenue in Dublin in uh, 1933, when he was seven. Um, his father was, to use the word at the time, invalided out of the army in 1928 um, as a relatively young man. Mm. And, for instance, his brother Owen, who was born in 1934, never saw his father uh, walk. So the Hathi brothers, there was four of them, lifted a the father up and down their sort right of uh, their, their terrorist house. Um, so they had a relatively tough um, uh, upbringing. Mm. Now, he did, and he George, did come,
1: to be fair, he did come from poverty. He did come from oh, a yeah, very, very a, deprived background, you know?
2: Yeah, no, it was a, it was a, certainly a tough upbringing, and, and certainly in contrast with someone like uh, his great sort of political enemy, Garrett Fitzgerald, uh, who was sort of born into privilege on the other side of uh, of the city. It, it was difficult for the Hockey uh, family. Now, in 1938, I think listeners might be interested to no, know he comes first uh, out of 500 uh, applicants in the Dublin scholarship exam, wow. and the, the great sorry, beauty of that exam was that it allowed... <laughs> children of the um of the working classes and of the poor to attend secondary school remember there's no free secondary education until uh the late 1960s and uh, and he benefits from that as his brother did the year before and that allows, allows him to go to the famous school joey's uh, st right. joseph's in in fairview where he is uh, successful both academically but also he was a very good um he was a very good gaa player and uh, i think Cork listeners, well, am not, and it's great to be talking to the homeland, PJ. <laughs> uh, he played in the 1943 uh, Leinster Minor Final, which was the uh, the curtain raiser to the 1943 All Ireland hurling final, which his other great enemy, of course, Jack Lynch, yeah. uh, played in that midfield uh, when Cork were in the middle yeah. of their uh, their four in a row triumph. So um, yeah. it's just a little interesting footnote. But he was a very good GA player uh, as well until he got sent off in a game in his early 20s. Uh, <laughs> Did he hit a
1: linesman, uh, linesman or something? <laughs> And never plead again. Now, as as a a legislator, I mean, the Succession Act, like that a wife had a right to inherit from her husband, the death penalty, he was part of the abolition of the death penalty, free travel, which everyone talks about, family planning for... For, for married couples, like all of that can be put down to Charlie Hawley. But you make the point in the book that there was a very big difference between the private Hawley and the public Hawley. And I think at the end of his life, for the later years of his life, the private Hawley with the thanks for that big fella and all the money that was flying around, let's face it, the brown envelope culture, that caught up with him. But he went from being like that hugely popular, massive vote, to be fair to him, An exemplary legislator, a very clever man. He came from being seen, Gary, and the arms trial in the middle of it all. By the time he died, I think most people saw him as a bit of a gangster.
2: Well, completely, you know, and I I don't shy away from that in the... uh, You don't, um, in fairness to you, you don't. And, yeah, and and allegations of corruption certainly uh, swirled around him now he he denied that any of the monies he ever received and and we know uh, from the moriarty tribunal that he received in and around at least 9 million pounds that the tribunal could trace, and there certainly was probably more money that the tribunal wasn't able to trace. Haji uh, and his sort of defenders, including his family, who have a website um, dedicated to him, uh, argued that uh, the Moriarty tribunal was wrong. That yes, he got this money, but there was no uh, favours uh, in return. I, I make the point in the book that many people, you know, think this is stretching yeah. uh, credulity, and, um, yeah. and certainly he did. PJ leave himself wide open to. Um, to allegations of impropriety because um, he was taking money. Uh, We know, for instance, Ben Dunn gave him him three checks, uh, totaling over £1 million. Uh, and Margaret Heffernan called to concede Ben Dunn's sister, uh, looking for that money back on the ground that it actually wasn't uh, Ben Dunn's to give, that it was actually Dunn's store's money, I think, from Ben Dunn's uh, That's right. That's right. own money. How oh, he never expected that the sort of um, the family feud between the Dunns um, would basically lead to his um, his downfall and, and his ruination. And what was a very difficult point uh, you know um last last decade of his life he he retires in uh from the dole in 1992 when he is sort of ousted in the phone tapping yeah. a scandal that reemerges uh he thought his retirement would be relatively uh, sedate i suppose he gets cancer in 1994 uh, which he has then over the following uh, decade but once the tribunals came coming in the sort of um period it was it it then became very difficult for him and of course to talk about the private life we then had the famous revelation of the uh uh, of the Terry Keane affair um, yeah. uh, extramarital affair which again he, he didn't want to come out although uh, Terry Keane said to Gay Byrne famously on yes. the Late Late Show in May 1999 that he, he he didn't mind but he certainly did mind as far was, as
1: uh, my research shows yeah. there was there was there was ructions there's one very funny part in it um, Gary I threw my head back and I laughed but the night that he became Taoiseach and and his kids went on to celebrate by going to the pub themselves while he went home and he said to them whatever you do Oh, don't get arrested. I, th- I honestly t- thought that was so funny. At the end of it, though, your view of him before you went into writing the book and your view of him after the writing the book, has that changed?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I, it has changed. I, I think I know him now much better than uh, than I, said. I did, obviously, because I've sort of lived with him for the last uh, a few years, obsessively so, I think my, my family would say. Um... And I do understand him, I think, a bit better, although I think it's probably not that uh, no one will ever understand everything that was going on in that sort of, uh, perhaps, Machiavellian uh, mind. And a mind that certainly was able to compartmentalise public uh, and private, as I point out in the uh, in the book. I mean, he, was in many ways, was the sort of, you know, the giant political figure of sort of our childhoods throughout the mm. 1980s when he had the great battles with, uh, with Gareth Fitzgerald. As you said, there's some strong legislative accomplishments but there are significant uh, public policy failures particularly in the economy in the 1980s many people hold him responsible for the sort of culture wars uh, in the 1980s with over abortion and uh, and divorce yeah. you know people complain that he we know no he was having an extramarital affair when he was lauding family values That's and, right. and so it's a very um, it's a very complex uh, life but I think I understand it better mm. you know I, I was asked recently do I have um, sympathy or empathy I, I think I probably Uh, do much more more I do know than I certainly did at the beginning yeah. I mean I, I wrote in one of the newspapers last week Page, what I was trying to do in this book is to uh, humanise him I mean he in one way is the great sort of uh, caricature uh, you know famously lampooned by uh, Dermot Morgan and the Scrap Saturday people in the um, on RT in the late 80s I always see Oliver Callan's impressions on Callan Kicks the years um, and I wanted to sort of humanise him um, because I think there is a, a there is a, a human a story there for instance I write in the book about Cork, and the the occasion when he famously went to Jack Lynch's funeral in That's October right. yes. uh, of 1999 and was sort of booed and jeered as his state car uh, travelled through the city on the way up to uh, or back from Shandon Street for the North Cathedral, and um, you know, and that was a very difficult time for him because he was also um, uh, facing uh, criminal charges over yeah. Yeah. Uh, revelations from the um, from the tribunal. being, and, being and at that funeral actually
1: treatment. and seeing that mm-hmm. seeing that booing, so in in a word. Gary, to finish, uh, giant or gangster or bit of bolt?
2: Uh, Well, political giant, certainly. I wouldn't use the word gangster, but he certainly did leave himself open to... um uh, to to what happened to him, I and mean, yeah. he, he he can he bear serious uh, fault and culpability uh, of him. I mean, some people will never change their minds that he was, you know, basically corrupt. Uh, but what I tried to present in this book is a, a picture of a man who I think did come to dominate uh, modern Ireland and to show him in uh, in all
1: his flaws. Okay, listen, um, it's a great and read. Before th- I go, yes, Peter
2: before I go, I wonder, could uh, would you just give me the uh, the time just to say hello to my mum? My mum is uh, in hospital in CUH. At the moment, and uh, I just wanted to say a shout out to her I think she's listening and uh, to thank to her uh, doctors and nurses there and I think one be who are who are looking after so if you would give me that leave I'm very grateful
1: you're delighted to do that Gary you've just done it so well thank you very much Professor Gary Murphy uh Professor of Politics at DCU School of Law and Government, uh, Proud Corkman, and author. It's, it's a fascinating read, if you have any interest in the history of Irish politics in modern times. Fascinating read. Author of Hathi. It's a great gift for anybody in your family who is a bit of a political geek for this Christmas. courts 96FM